0: the athletic
1: Totally Football Show. Today Real Madrid win El Clasico against FC Takalona. What next for Brassic Barca? In France, PSG win Le Classique, while Mbappé says U-turn, hold my beer, UK government, as he reveals he's not unhappy at all and was having a nap. There's another big win for Union Berlin in the Bundesliga and more pain for Javi Alonso. And in Italy, the Derby della Mole, where Juve passed the Turing test and show signs of life. It's all coming up in this Totally Football show. Hey, listener. It's the 18th of October. It's a Tuesday. As I sit here with my pals, got that Alvaro Romeo, some Julien Laurence, Hello. And a big, big, big dose of James mm. Where's Rafa? You say, <laughs> well, he's in Cologne, like Marilyn in Chalene number 5. No, he's actually in Cologne or, <laughs> or nearby there. Uh, but he will be speaking to us later on, which is nice. Plenty to discuss uh, this uh, week. We've got oh, big games, Classic, Classico. Also, Monday, Football World, agog for the uh, announcement of the biggest awards of all the FSA Awards 2022 shortlist, which dropped. And yes, we're up for the uh, yes. podcast of the year. Please don't let our bitter rivals win with their endless recycling of stale, old, cliched material.
2: Do they still exist, even?
1: Adam Harry's football cliches. Yeah, it's really popular. Okay. Why? Who did you think I meant?
2: Oh, um, no, I meant I thought, you, I thought you meant our old, old friends. No. No, no. James, and they
1: don't
0: are... wind up the opposition because otherwise Manchester City will complain. <laughs> nice,
1: nice. Well, there were also other gongs and baubles on offer on Monday, not least the Ballon d'Or. And you can hear the raw excitement in my voice. Jules, who won
2: it? Kareem the Dream. Woo yes and disputed must be a
0: big surprise
2: winner you never know I mean I think Lewandowski was pretty sure of winning it uh, mm. before and didn't so I guess sometimes uh, because it's a vote uh you still don't know who Henry Winter would vote for for all we know he might have voted one Jordan Henderson two Jude Bellingham and three Wayne Rooney who knows <laughs> you never know
1: I, I see. I'm not not sure where you're
0: heading, but with the that. Madrid lobby is strong, Jules. I mean, you must be particularly satisfied having a, a, what? It must be a year. I, I don't know how long it was, but your Kareem the Dream thing is is very yeah. much. It's. It, I, I saw every foreign outlet announcing it as Kareem the Dream. So I'm actually pleased for you that it's come it's off.
2: Caught up really well, and it's my my oldest child, of course, Rafa, who who came up with it from. For people who don't know, Hakim Olajuwon, the uh, former basketball player who was uh, Houston Rocket legend, was Hakim the Dream, really, and he's the first. It was the first one to be named like that, and we just recycled it for Kahim, who is a big fan of it. Uh, and then he caught up very quickly everywhere, literally everywhere, which which is great. And more seriously, he deserves the the award, which I know you don't care, James, and I think a lot of people what? don't care within the game, which is fine. I get it; it's an indi- individual award for for a team sport. But for him, and I think for for some of the players, it means a lot, and his, it was his dream. It's a it's a lifelong dream. It's a right. it's a whole career achievement, and it's an incredible result for an incredible year. So you know, it's it was a special moment.
1: No, absolutely. Can I just can I just clarify that I was only shaking my head that we only dedicated about a minute of the show to how
3: you came up with Kareem the Dream <laughs> as a
2: People people deserve the right to know. <laughs> it, very good for <laughs>
3: Benzema and. It's incredible that La Liga has been producing, or having at least, the Ballon d'Or since 2009. Wow. All the Ballon d'Or winners are from La Liga. Uh, well, I mean, Messi last
1: year was at PSG, but done for his body of work in La Liga.
3: I, I, ge- I guess we can take propriety of that, well, I guess. Right. But anyway, maybe Liga, you, Liga does. But... Still, it's very impressive. Messi, Modric, Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema right now. Mm. There you go.
1: Okay. Also in Paris on Monday night, as you may well have seen, Barcelona's Alexia Putellas got the women's Ballon d'Or, uh, Man City were awarded Club of the Year, and also there was a Socrates Award.
2: For Sanyo Mane, uh, for his, all his charity work in in Senegal, which is the, the first year that they awarded this new award for Socrates, of course, the, um, the doctor, uh, and... Every year, we'll go to a a player who does something great uh, humanitarian-wise of charity work in his own country or in his where he lives, you know, whatever. So, I think Mane, for all the things that he does in Senegal that we don't know about or that is not very much publicized, I think he deserves it too.
3: And on a... On a more fashionable note, I mean, the shirt of Sadio Mane. I know that in this kind of uh, ceremonies, you can wear a tuxedo or a suit. Sadio Mane was uh, wearing just uh, like a shirt. I will define it as a shirt. Uh, Shirt blending with a a t-shirt, but it was really, really, really cool. You have to see it, really. A tremendous choice.
2: Still not as cool as Karim Benzema wearing the two-pack Shakur suit from back in the day. All eyes on me. You know, that was what a touch.
1: And one other thing from Paris, after saying that, I wasn't that bothered about it. Great to see Sébastien Allaire uh, on stage, who's uh, undergoing chemotherapy for that testicular tumour, but presenting a Thibaut Courtois uh, with his award for best goalkeeper. Hmm. Anyway, that was Paris. Now, Rafa's joining us later on, but he has already sent us a moment of the weekend. So let's start off a round of those with him.
4: A uh, moment of the weekend, I think, was the eighth minute of Union Berlin's win over Dortmund because Gregor Kobel slipped let in Yannick Haber and from then on it was Union all the way
3: er They won in
4: such impressive fashion to defend their lead at the top of the table and to consigned Dortmund to yet another pretty miserable experience in the Bundesliga. They're down to eighth. Mm. So big moment um, for the top of the table and a team that wants to be top of the table but isn't.
1: Very nice, Raf. All right, Jules, your moment of the weekend.
2: My moment of the weekend is to see Laurent Blanc uh, back on a bench in, in Ligue 1, six years after he was sacked from, from PSG, six and almost and a half years. Uh, with Lyon, not that he started well because they lost Arendt and we, we'll talk about it about, a bit more later. But yeah, to see him back on the bench on a sunny day in Brittany was lovely.
3: Now oh, that is nice. Alvaro. I don't know if it's uh, convenient to return to the Ballon d'Or thing, but uh, the weekend of Karim Benzema, or the last couple of days of Karim Benzema, have to be my moment of the week. Could have been Cavani scoring a brace, which is nice. Um, could have been Gudel a beautiful goal, but Karim Benzema, at the end of the day, you know, he won the Ballon d'Or, he scored in El Clásico, he is looking sharp after turning 30. He admitted yesterday, uh, talking to media, that after he turned 30, something switched in his mind, and he started like looking after himself, very, 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 well. And, you know, probably the most uh, revered signing of Florentino in 2009 uh, by Florentino is Karim Benzema, even more than Cristiano Ronaldo, even more than Kaká at the time. Florentino Perez really did like Karim Benzema and the relationship with him has been fantastic over the last 13 years. So I think that Karim Benzema deserves to be the moment, the moment of the week also because he scored the opener in El Clásico. So what a couple of days for
2: him. And and the new contract is coming. So we will have the, the goal and the win in the Classico, the Ballon d'Or, and then the new deal until 2024, which will be announced very soon. So, yeah, I agree with Alvaro. Pretty special few days. Very nice.
1: Uh, James, would you like a moment of the weekend or a s- special few days of the weekend? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I enjoyed seeing Daniele De Rossi making his uh, debut on the sidelines. Uh, he's become the new spell manager. I think that was uh, announced whilst we were recording last week. Daniele, for me, is yeah, arguably my my favourite ever player, favourite ever person in uh, in football. So, kind of great to see him. Uh, Get underway, albeit with a nil-nil against Cittadella uh, spell in the bottom half of the table in the second division. Um, but uh, wishing Danièle well, uh, and you know, I mean, if we go to his the club he's most associated with after Boca Juniors, Roma, <laughs> um, quite incredible scenes at Marassi on Monday night as Massimo Ferrero, the uh, the Roman. Former owner of Sampdoria, who is largely responsible uh, for them being bottom of the table. Ferrero this time last year, was arrested, um, was briefly uh, behind bars. Uh, he thought it would be a good idea to come to a Samp game um, and was then hounded out uh, by the, the Samp fans. Uh, had to leave with his tail between his legs and a security detail around him, um, which, yeah, I think was... In terms of moment of the week, I think it was just worst decision of the year, really mm. um, to, to come to a, uh, to, to a club to watch a game when you're you know a lot of many Sam fans would would criticize him and say that he is responsible for, for the state that they're in and the risk that they face of going down. Mm. Absolutely. Bottom of the
1: table, Sam. All right, much more to come on this Toby totally Football Show.
5: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: para Valverde le va a pegar, le va a pegar, Valverde. Aquí está el martillo,
1: Real Madrid beating Barcelona in the Clasico there Sunday afternoon. Barcelona in their special Drake Owl logo jerseys. Thanks to their Spotify deal. It's like the curse of Drake didn't really exist. Uh, Drake, by the way, backed them to win at Barcelona uh, in a, a reported half a million pound bet. That didn't work out too well, did it out Crypto, though, come on.
3: <laughs> no, no, uh, the losses have been uh, massive. I don't know if he cares that much, really. Laugh but, uh, now, cry
0: later. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Barcelona not the best he ever had. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> uh, but yes... Tell us about the game, Alvaro.
3: Well, I think that it's so uh, where these two clubs are at the minute. Um, Real Madrid uh, won it with a style, I would say, but uh, it looked like they always had everything under control. The numbers don't tell always all the truth. Barcelona reached this game uh, having conceded only one goal. But the truth is that... uh, The expected goals against Barcelona were way higher, and Ter Stegen had been miraculous for Barcelona as of late. So, you know, Barcelona got into the game probably needing a a win for their own reputation, but. The important wins of the week should have happened against Inter because Barcelona is effectively out of the Champions League. So that was how Barcelona arrived into the game and Real Madrid arrived into the game as a Champions League winner, as La Liga winner, and uh, playing with um, the efficiency that they showed last season to win the Champions League. They didn't create many chances. I mean, uh, only... Eight shots for Real Madrid in the game, and yet they scored three goals. I think that they never uh, had any doubt uh, about uh, who was going to win the game. And uh, then uh, they were capable of uh, just controlling the game, looking like they weren't under control. Because Barcelona Mm -hmm. had the ball, but Barcelona didn't know what to do with the ball. They were slow. Uh, The game plan is always making sure that you give the ball to the wingers, and the wingers send it to Lewandowski. But Lewandowski gets marked because everyone knows that he's the focal point of Barcelona, where Real Madrid has so many sources who can score goals, starting by Fede Valverde, Rodrigo, Benzema, Vinicius. In Barcelona, everything is more simple. And, um, you know, with a coach like Xavi, who was... uh, a man who had a panoramic vision of the game when he was a player and uh, he liked to send the ball from left to right to the striker, to the defender. You could expect Barcelona to have a little bit more of a moving game, uh, but they don't have many circuits, so Real Madrid won easily.
1: Mm. Uh, Well, Lewandowski did... Produce a, a, a delicious backheel assist for the lone Barcelona goal for Torres about eight minutes from time. But as you say, uh, very comfortable for Real Madrid. We've we've already lauded Karim Benzema, who's in, in, enjoying a such a purple patch in his career. But Fede Valverde with another sumptuous strike in this game.
3: Yeah, I mean he he is a player who can produce this. I mean when he started training with Real Madrid back in 2017, it was the players who were asking the. The manager to keep him because uh, Fede Valverde came from uh, Real Madrid-Castilla, the second team. And from the very beginning, the rest of the teammates showed sure that Fede Valverde had the potential to stay in the first team. And uh, he's improving uh, day after day. I mean, he must be one of the only players in the world who does horizontal runs just to escape the pressure which is something very characteristic of this guy. He doesn't pass it if he doesn't have to. He doesn't run with the ball horizontally and nobody can catch him. And then his uh, shot from the long range is incredible. Last year with Uruguay, he scored a couple of beautiful goals from the long range. And I think that uh, opened the, the way to the goals that we are seeing now. He's very confident. He's uh, taking the shots every time he can. And even Tony Cruz said after the game that uh, Fede Valverde was probably one of the top three midfielders in the world. Tony Cruz having a good game as well, controlling the game very easily, very well, uh, without having to run a lot. And, um, you know. When the team works, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. Benzema, Tony Cruz, they are as old as Busquets is. But Busquets, you know, uh, he lives in an environment of no control. This Barcelona doesn't have the control or loses the control very easily, especially in the counter-attacks. And, uh, you know, this Busquets is very obviously exposed. Whereas Tony Cruz the other day, he wasn't because he was very well supported by his teammates. And then he was flourishing. Uh, you mentioned Ferran Torres before? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Ferran Torres was making that gesture after the scoring, as if he had had a very good season and he was vindicating himself. Ferran Torres has been terrible since right. January, <laughs> and uh, he, wa- he was just showing his right, ears. Like, Jill, like,
0: stop, stop. <laughs> <The Spanish> <laughs> <show>. <laughs>
3: Like Riquelme, the Spanish guy, like Riquelme Mm. in La Bombonera, you know, as if he had scored a beautiful goal or something like that. Well, Ferran Torres has has had a very bad time since he came to Barcelona, not only in Barcelona, but also in the national team. So I didn't understand why Ferran was doing that. But yeah, generally speaking, a very easy win for Real Madrid. And Barcelona was very fragile and uh, Xavi didn't... uh, Probably he took responsibility, but he takes it in a very sui generis way, because uh, he says, yes, I am responsible for what's happening, for the individual Mm. mistakes, for what Eric García did, and blah, 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 but we have worked on that. So he's always putting that at the end of the sentence. So I think that he's just taking responsibility, but he's passing it on to the players as well. So, Mm. you know, it's not a good moment for Barcelona, Jimbo. No, indeed not.
1: Indeed not. Uh, Joan Laporta had to be asked to leave the match officials' dressing room, after the game, demanding explanation for one of who wanted to controversial decisions, the press calling Barca, the Catalan press calling them soulless. For the, I mean, it's been a, a rough week, as you say. Failure to beat Inter in that three three draw last midweek leaves their Champions League hopes hanging by a thread, uh, and and of course they have that that fairly complicated budget which they've managed to yeah. uh, put together, which is pretty much based on them reaching the quarterfinals minimum in the Champions League. If in to win against Pilsen next week at home, Barcelona are out of the competition. So a lot of finger-pointing going on in Catalonia right now. Rafinha, yeah. some are questioning his acquisition, seventy million million, one one goal for Barcelona in 12 games. But the majority of, of questions, I guess, are for Xavi, who who had a great start when Barcelona were playing Kind of smaller sides. But in all the big games so far, I think I'm right in saying, his Barcelona have have come up short.
3: Certainly this season. uh, Last season, Barcelona had a very good run in February. But the concerning thing about Barcelona is that, number one, they seem to lose all their chances in the space of 10 days. Maybe because football, it is like this. But last season... uh, they just lost the La Liga game and then they lost to Frankfurt and the season was pretty much over for them. This season, after the international break, in two weeks, they have ruined it uh, for various reasons. But they are out of the Champions League, almost. They are almost out of the Champions League and they lost El Clásico. So... Everything happens very quickly at Barcelona. That's mm-hmm. the thing. They haven't had a time of, uh, as they say in Latin, pax romana, in which mm-hmm. uh, you can actually relax for two, three weeks, win the winnable games, gather your energy, and put it together into the next game. They haven't had a time like this. And the thing with Xavi is that Barcelona in February, or at the beginning of the season, they saw glimpses of a great improvement. But then that improvement doesn't get consolidated. Isn't it the responsibility of the coach to consolidate what goes well? Mm. With Xavi, that doesn't happen. Well, I guess he's dealing with a lot of new
1: players. He does have...
0: as He's he dealing Atlant with press- his own evolution as a coach. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a rookie hmm. uh, at the end of the day. Okay, it's one thing to be coaching Qatar. It's another thing to be coaching in Qatar. It's another thing to be coaching Barcelona at, at this stage of where Barcelona are. Um, It's a huge ask for a guy. Whatever we think about Xavi being Barcelona DNA and all this sort of thing, it's, you know... People like Pep are one of one. You know, there are, <laughs> it doesn't mean that uh, just hiring another old Barcelona guy is going to work. Even as someone as intellectually uh, apparently brilliant as Xavi, when it comes to expressing what it means to be Barcelona, mm. and I think we're seeing those we're seeing those shortcomings. I mean, he has a worse win ratio than Jules' friend, the Dutch guy. So, mm. and he's had a lot more investment in the team. So, I think we're just seeing another dare I say, PLO, um situation as much as I love Andrea. For all,
1: of, for all of that, just to say, they are second in La Liga right now, only three points off the top. And I know that Inter should beat Victoria Pilsen at home, but uh, let's check back on, on this in a week <laughs> or so. I'm with James on this. It might not I be sure as over not. as you think. Alvaro, yes. but anyway, anyway,
3: I, I know that Inter has this uh, fame of jinxing it and, and uh, flopping it in Italy. Um, but still, uh, it's not great for Barcelona to be dependent no. on uh, Inter Milan, right? Absolutely not. So Real Madrid, anyway, moving three points
1: clear after nine games. Uh, Barcelona second. Then you got Atletico Madrid, who beat your lot, Alvaro, one nil there in Bilbao losing Jan Oblak again to injury in the course of the game. But Antoine Griezmann with the goal. That was his 100th league goal for the club. And they can start him in matches now because they've completed the actual signing from Barcelona.
3: They did, and it's better for everyone, I think, because Simeone wanted to play Griezmann. It was so obvious. And now he can start him. And the truth is that Atletico de Madrid... um they won at uh, Bilbao, which is something that they don't do normally. Over the last two, three, four years, it's been very difficult for Atletico to to win there. Last season, they didn't beat Atletico Bilbao. Not at home, neither away, neither in the Super Cup. And uh, this time, I think at Atletico Bilbao, deserves a little bit more. Uh, They had many chances, especially in the second half, Inigo Martinez, Raúl Garcia. But uh, when Oblak wasn't there, they had like a second goalkeeper who was uh, just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. His name wasn't Reinildo. And, uh, you know, this player, honestly, came into uh, Atletico de Madrid's squad without uh, being a noisy signing. Uh, there weren't many expectations about him. But, uh, you know, he is fixing so many issues for Atletico. He's very good. And, uh, you know, Atletico got a clean sheet. The second one in a row, and this is the best possible thing to get for them, because we know how Simeone rates these things. The worst thing for Atletico after this game is that the wing was a little bit pyrrhic, because coke uh, was uh, injured, and he's going to be three weeks out. And, you know, we will have our calendar and our countdown, Every everyone, Jules, uh, James Holmcastle, yourself, me, and coke uh, being out for three weeks right now, well, let's put it this way, puts into, into question his participation in the World Cup. Wow. Elsewhere in La Liga, Bess is looking good again.
1: A 3-1 win over Almeria. They are third in La Liga right now. Uh, ooh, Jorge Sampaoli, Sevilla got a win. 1-0 in Mallorca. You mentioned the goal from Gudelli, uh, And we've got a midweek round coming up as well, Álvaro, with Sevilla taking on Valencia. Gennaro Gattuso's Valencia. Barcelona are up against
3: Villarreal. Yes, Villarreal. Villarreal won with the brace of Danjuma Grunewald, that player who has two identities, Mm. and. If you look at the top seven uh, of La Liga right now, I think that it makes a lot of sense and these seven are going to qualify for Europe for the next season Uh, unless Sevilla wakes up, uh, which they are little by little, but they've got a lot of work to do still. Uh, Villarreal, they are doing well. The the game against Barcelona is going to be pretty fascinating uh, because Unai Emery likes to go at the Camp Nou and then uh, normally Barcelona tends to get uh, the winner at the end against Unai Emery sides. But... uh, you know, uh, you have mentioned uh, Villarreal, you have mentioned Valencia, uh, Gennaro Gatuso gave us another little uh, thing to laugh about in the press conference when uh, he told us basically that Mamardas uh, Billy, the goalkeeper of Valencia, went to Gattuso after the game and he apologized uh, to Gattuso because he made a couple of uh, mistakes and Gattuso basically hit him hit him and told him it doesn't matter it's alright you know but the Gatuso way he doesn't just hug you he hits you first and then he gives you a, hat, a hug so yeah, that was nice from Gatuso to tell us a little bit of insight of the locker room of Valencia
1: <laughs> very nice ok El Clásico in Spain meanwhile Jules it was Le Classique in France we'll talk about that next
5: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving
2: fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
5: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kaye and the very best football writers around. There
1: you go. Neymar and first half stoppages on the assist from Kylian Mbappé. Handing PSG the win in the big game Sunday night in Paris over Rivals Olympic Marseille jewels, Like we can believe a word you say after the way you led us and so many unsuspecting fans down the garden path <laughs> or up it even last week with that Mbappé business.
2: Yeah, I was on not the bollocks, only one, to be because like. we were all brief. I think you did the right thing on Sunday, to be fair, seeing... Uh-huh how out of hand the whole situation went to come in and, and see us after the game and just say like yeah i was having a nap i was sleeping it's Absolutely. not me behind I went so, this. I was and my mom and dad by the way they were watching my brother so it's not them either Um <laughs> you know not none of this is all true i'm happy here there was nothing else different he could have said really and yeah. i think he's right to play the sort of Coming game.
1: Absolutely. Uh, there was nothing in any way strange about him, first of all, having contact through his people with all these journalists in the middle of last week. He, as you say, was ha- having a nap. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was stunned when he found out on Wednesday, which is why it took him four, five days to come out to the press <laughs> yeah. and say, no, that's completely not true at all. It's all lies. Yeah, I, exactly. I completely
0: am with you. Well done, Julian Mbappé. Um, you know, my curiosity after this uh statement from Killian, uh they were watching his little brother, um his his entourage. Is his little brother any good? Is, is he yeah. is,
2: is, Ethan. No? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I he's mean good. he's not as good as how Killian well is he he's a he's a midfielder, he plays for the under nineteen, so in the youth in the youth league they were watching him playing against Benfica uh, before the, the 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 big boys game mm. um, and it's a very talented PSG team where he's he's playing really well so he's got a good future I don't know how Do,
0: does he want to leave as well is, well, is maybe he that was sick of they being was the talking. actual yeah. pivot <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: so you know for a long time he didn't sign he didn't want to sign for PSG so oh. there was always a doubt like oh he's not signing because Killian is leaving so he's going to go with him, whatever wherever Kylian goes. But now he's under contract. So it'd be harder if you're Real Madrid to get the two brothers or if you are, you know, Chelsea or City or whoever, Liverpool.
1: Well, I mean, what is the position now for uh, Mbappe? Everybody knows that what he said was 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 nonsense either midweek mm. or now. And I I mean, I know which I think. But does that mean everything's fine or does it just kind of get buried until, until there's a possibility of him actually moving like next summer?
2: Yeah, no, I think not buried. But I think... Until he meets with the club, which is not, is not scheduled for a few weeks now. And then there will be the World Cup. So he's going to disappear for six weeks, well, potentially up to six weeks. So it's, it's weird. As we have said last week, the timing was weird anyway, of what happened last week before the Benfica game. But now it's, it's, it's difficult as well for him to follow it up because there's too much time between now and the January transfer window when he wants to leave and he knows that they're not going to let him go so he will have to wait until the summer which is even longer to wait so so it's yeah it's a a really funny one Mm. Um, and I mean I guess the irony is that he gave the assist to Neymar on Sunday night in the Classic that after the game Galtier made a point but like too much of a point of saying did you see he didn't play as a pivot tonight did you see did you see where he played did you see what I did tactically here he really enjoyed the game uh, what what I did mean, he, he do played, Jules tactically he changed the formation to um like a 4-3 1-2 two, or 2-1 two, depending I mean Messi Messi was pretty high next to Mbappe and then Neymar played more as a 10 which was the idea for Neymar to play between the lines and to sort of disturb the press from Marcel which worked quite well so so same with Fabian Ruiz who played really well, really high when PSG were building up from the back so they could play long to him because he's, he's tall and strong and Ruiz had a very good second half I thought and I can I think we can see that 4-3-3 again with Ruiz playing more and more now Um, but Mbappé was still was still not playing off a striker. So Galtier was not really genuine when he said, did you see now, you know, in that position, he will enjoy his football more because it's not really the truth. But mm. but at least it worked. And, and Mbappé could, should have scored one, two, maybe. Paolo Lopez in goal for Marseille was outstanding. I think the XG for Paris was 2.3. Um, what but was, they only scored the one goal. Just what was Olymp- Olympic
1: Marseille's? Because they seem to have a lot of chances. I mean, Donnarumma looked like he was having another great game.
2: Yeah, he had, I mean, two big, big ones at the start of the second half, especially because they had 18 shots, Marseille. They played mm. really well. They pressed high, really high. They were really intense, aggressive, as we would expect a two-door team to be. But to do it in Paris is great testament of the good things that he's doing right now. Of those 18 shots, not all of them were, a lot of them were from outside of the box. Uh, and maybe they lacked a little bit of composure or something a bit special to threaten PSG even more, but yeah, the Mbemba shot and then the close close one is, is the best save from, from Donnarumma. That was really good and on another day, maybe they could have got a draw and they concede on a silly mistake by, by Arit who lost the ball to Verratti when he should not have tried to dribble past Vitinha and Verratti then there was easy passes for, for him to make. So that, that's really frustrating from a Marseille point of view. Mm. But they played well. You know, to concede, if your PSG concede 18 shots at home was was not really reassuring. But it felt like really like a classic from the old times where the two teams were good uh, because before (laughs) it was too easy for Paris. This time, Marseille really gave gave them a game and I think that's really promising.
1: Okay. Well, they dropped to fourth in uh, Ligue 1. Six points now behind uh, PSG who still have a three-point lead over the team in second, which is Lorient. Although they only managed... Uh, a nil-nil draw this weekend, Lorient. Four new managers across the French top flight this weekend, Jules. Lyon, Brest, Osset and Reims.
2: And Montpellier now as well.
1: Oh, and so Montpellier fun. now? Uh, and after week, the weekend?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah Montpellier wow. as well. Dalaglio is gone.
1: Well, none of the four from last weekend enjoyed a, a winning start. Although, as you mentioned, Lacazette putting Lyon in front against, uh, well, away at Rennes. In Laurent Blanc's debut, Leon's run—what is it now? One draw
2: in six matches. Uh, yeah, that's right. They took one point out of eighteen. One point it's of terrible. eighteen. Yeah. I mean, Blanc, Blanc said he loved everything about the day, and then he thought about it and went, "Well, apart from the result, th- thank mm. you, uh, Larry White. That was that was um, that's the nickname we've got for Laurent Blanc because he always fancied himself as he can't speak a word of English, but as right. this kind of English manager." So in France, we call him Larry White, obviously for Laurent Blanc. Uh, right, yeah. But he loved the day. Great, great for him. He was obviously playing against, uh, you know, Pep Genesio, uh, who got one <laughs> over his former club, which he's always very happy. And also the two goal scorers for Rennes Terrier and Guiri, are former Lyon players.
5: Everything was...
2: Pretty much reunited to make Blanc's debut and return in, in the league. No, a good one. I think Lyon played played well. They they scored two, as you said, two like I said goals. That he changed the formation, went to a back three. Awa who's put in the cupboard by by uh, the other Dutch guy for all season, really. is back in the team now with Laurent Blanc, which is not surprising either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Boateng is back as well, which is a silly idea because he was obviously dreadful for the 60 minutes he played because he can't play more than 60 minutes at his age. Uh, so there's still a lot of things to work on for Blanc. But it's good, yeah, it's, like we said earlier, it's good to have him back in the league. There
1: you go. Nantes beat Brest 4-1 in the, what do you call this, the David del Nord,
2: du Nord? No, Derby, uh, it's one of the Brittany Derby.
1: Brittany Derby, just one yeah. of the Brittany Derbys, all right. And, ooh, Lille with a 3-0 win over Strasbourg. Jonathan David, up to nine goals now for the season with a brace in this.
2: Yeah, he's he's the guy, Friday night. I mean, he's he's, he's amazing. Until the Neymar goal on Sunday, he was the, the top goalscorer scorer in the league. We said it in the summer, didn't we? like, how on earth did he stay there for another season? I mean, good for Lille and good for Ligue 1. But I wouldn't be surprised if, even if in January some clubs were coming, especially if he has a good World Cup, which I think he can with Canada. Uh, But he's an amazing, really an amazing player. He's got everything, he he can do everything. He can even play in different positions. He's got the versatility and he's such a good finisher. He's, He's just so cool. His body language, you know, everything about him is cool. He's composed you never really see him excited or, or over the top nothing like that he's just he's got such a great mind to be a, a very very clinical striker he's, he's, he's a great and he's still so young so it's nice it's a good season for him and I think Paolo Fonseca was always going to be good for him and the, the style of play that Lille have now um, and and yeah for Strasbourg it's worrying for Julien Stefan. Mm, very excellent thank you Jules next up let's catch up with our pal
5: Rafa On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, smart speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
1: All right, Rafa, on your way to Köln as we speak. What are you doing there in Köln?
4: I'm interviewing Callum Hudson-Odoi. Oh, uh, nice. It's not in Köln, but uh, Köln is the nearest airport to Leverkusen. So I
1: see. Yeah, Leverkusen. Well. They're certainly on my agenda to ask you about after what happened to them this week. But let's start with the the top four facing each other. The top four set to part one, which was the, the aforementioned Union taking on Dortmund. And a 2-0 win for Union, who've now opened up a four-point lead at the top. They've won four games in a row in all competitions. They haven't conceded a single goal in that time. This later scout, possibly the biggest yet. Rafa, at what point... Do they start to become concrete candidates to end Bayern's reign?
4: I think it might take a little bit longer until we're fully convinced that they can go all the way. A little bit a la Leicester, where I think only Mm. in what March and April people started truly believing they might do it. So still a few months to go. But I think we have to take them very seriously as far as Champions League aspirations is concerned. They've been so consistent. They play in a very particular way, which... Sounds quite simplistic on paper, you know, lots of running, lots of fighting, lots of man marking, uh, very good on the break. But they probably do it better than anyone else in the league at the moment. And they're a team totally in tune with their own idea. And with the wider club being very united and, and sort of cheering them on and creating this incredibly ap- atmosphere at the Alte Försterei, it makes for a winning package. And they've been very, very impressive. And Dortmund were just the latest victim.
1: It was their neighbours, Hertha Berlin, who had the kind of the five-year plan for getting into the, the Champions League. And that hasn't worked out too well. But Union, was this something that they were kind of working towards? And how do you think that they would deal with that kind of further step up?
4: Well, they were already in the running until quite late last season. And then we were sort of joking the whole time. Haha, you know, Union going to the Champions League, uh, impossible they made it to the Europa League and it looks as if they might go on better this year simply because they have a consistency and a unity and a togetherness that just is very much absent everywhere else, including Bayern to a certain extent, but certainly the teams that you'd find usually in contention for these places, they're all struggling. Dortmund, Leverkusen fighting relegation, Uh, You know, who else would we put up there? Gladbach in transition. Um, The door is wide open and you see Freiburg being in the mix and maybe Hoffenheim as well, but certainly Union of the uh, outside contenders going by far the strongest. And they have Inuos Fischer, a very unassuming but very clever and capable manager who I think almost goes out of his way, not to say anything interesting, to kind of deflect attention a little bit, just on how good they've been. But it's no longer a secret and I think it's difficult to hide. Absolutely.
1: Is there anything you think that they're missing to really make a run for the top four or more?
4: I don't think so. A lot of people were saying, well, with Europa League and all these games, surely their their squad is not big enough and they will struggle, but their worst results have sort of come in, in the Europa League and slightly less convincing performances, but in the Bundesliga, they've been absolutely rock solid throughout. Um, And even in the Europa League, they look as if they will qualify for the knockout. So now there's nothing obvious. Um, They have real quality, they have pace, they have this discipline to do all the things that, in the words of Edin Tezic, a lot of professionals don't want to do. So the basics of running and fighting and all this kind of stuff, and they're just doing better than anyone else at the moment. There you
1: go. Bayern, meantime, moving up to second place. Four points, as I mentioned, behind Union. This after they put five plus Freiburg in the other top four clash. Five different goal scorers for the Bavarians. And a big question, though, with it, are Bayern better when they play with a number nine? In this case, Erik in cupomoting
4: I don't think you could say that they're better, but certainly Moting had a good game. Against a very poor Freiburg defence, they hardly made any effort to stop the Bayern side. They has got a lot of easy goals, but he held the line really well. He scored a good goal, good combination with uh, Sadio Mane, and I think sometimes it helps to have that focal point. It was a bit of a su- surprise decision by Julian Nagelsmann, maybe also with a view of a midweek game in the cup coming up, but it, it worked out very well. You remember that uh, Lewandowski missed those two games against uh, Paris Saint-Germain, um, and Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting was leading the line then. Unfortunately, on those two occasions, he fell rather short, which is why I think this is not going to be a long-term scenario. Uh, but I think in the odd game here or there, he he might still do a good job.
1: Okay, among the goal scorers, uh, Leroy Sané. But the bad news—he's now done his hamstring.
4: Yeah, he's done his hamstring, but. Um, Apparently, it's not that bad a tear. Uh, we expect him to be back within a month or so, which would just leave enough time to be okay for for the World Cup. So, not ideal, but it could have been worse.
0: Mm.
1: All right. Well, uh, mentioned the situation at the top with the Union 4 clear and then a cluster of sides by Munich, Freiburg, Hoffenheim and Eintracht Frankfurt in fifth. Down the other end... By Leverkusen dropped back down to 16th place, the relegation playoff place, after getting thrashed 5-1 by Frankfurt on Saturday. Yikes! Xavi Alonso's record as Leverkusen manager now looking a, a, a good less, a good deal less glossy than when we last spoke.
4: Yeah, it does. Um, scored five, conceded eight. Well, four.
1: Four of the five were in the in the first game against Schalke, who were one of only two teams below them in the league. Since then, they lost 3-0 against Porto and 5-1 this time around. What happened?
4: What happened was that all the frailties that got his predecessor, uh, Gerardo Suárez, the sack, came to the fore again. Leverkusen were totally switched off defensively. They played without any sort of aggression and intensity. They were barely on the pitch and... While they're very talented, I don't think they're talented enough to play completely without any sort of physique and an effort and just rely on their football. So a real, I don't know if wake up caused the right word, but a real shock, I think, for Xavi Lanza to see just how deep the malaise runs there. And I think the idea would be for him to somehow try to stabilise things and then have a real good go during the the World Cup and winter break to see if he can really change the mentality and maybe the, the setup of the team because right now it looks as if the problems are so go go much deeper than than who the manager is which um, makes it interesting because I thought that initially this was a very good decision by him to go there because this is a talented team then the Champions League they just needed a bit of maybe DLC to get things going again after that poor start but maybe it's 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 worse than he anticipated so he'll have his work cut out i think there's also of course the um the curse of having had a sympathetic write-up in the athletic which never bodes too well for bundesliga managers be sure that you
1: write something truly nasty about uh chelsea loanee Callum hudson adoy then when you, when you speak to him <laughs> for fear that uh, yeah Uh, And, uh, yeah, give him our our regards.
4: Uh, What are you going to ask him? I'll ask him about his time in Leverkusen, how he's settling in, how he's experiencing Xabi Alonso, what it's like to play in the Bundesliga, what it's like to live in Germany, how he got on at Chelsea at the end, what was it like under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, there's, I think, plenty of stuff too. There certainly is. All
1: right, look forward to reading that, Rafa, soon. For now... Safe travels, and we'll catch up with you next time on the Totally Football Show. Thank you, James. Raphael Honigstein. Excellent. Next up, let's turn to our pal James and hear about City App. FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
5: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
1: James Horncastle, round 10 of the Italian season, I guess. After what happened last midweek in the Champions League, the big question was, what would Juve do in the Turin derby if you weren't across the Champions League? La Signora falling to one of their worst results ever in Europe, losing 2-0 away in a must-win fixture to Maccabi Haifa. Yikes. Anyway, it was the Turin derby this week. Potential for further disaster was elevated. How did it go, James?
0: Well, it went well for Juventus uh, in the end, James, because uh, they got a win. Uh, and look, you know, Torino, they're really awkward to play against, uh, as every Ivan Juric team is. They press you high, they're super aggressive. But what we also know is Torino are crap in this fixture. Um, they've only won it once uh, in decades. Um, yeah, that was back when uh, Gian Ventura was, uh, was coach and they had players like Qualiarello and Damian. And in this game, they didn't have any strikers because they let Belotti go. Sanabria was injured. Um, and so, you know, as as rough as Torino could make it, they didn't really have a threat. Um, but Juventus, look, it wasn't a fluent, it wasn't a sexy performance, but they were up for the physical battles. And I think the the player who really kind of uh, symbolized that was Dusan Vlajevic. Uh, Vlahovic played as though he knew that the Serbia coach Dragon Stojkovic was was in the stands, um, and played as if he knew what a delicate moment it was uh, for Juventus as well, um, because he was tigrish in fighting for every ball, in just really expressing in his body language um, how important that game was, and you know ultimately he he got the only goal and. Juventus afterwards downplayed whether this was a turning point in their season. They felt like they've been other ones and ultimately they've been false dawns. It's still going to be a, a long and winding road um, to, for Juventus to, to get back to where they need to be. Um, but certainly after the shameful uh, defeat in Israel uh, where Andrea Agnelli came out and said he was very angry. It's not the coach's fault that the players can't win a tackle, um, that ultimately Allegri will stay. Yeah, he found it very hard um, to envisage uh, changing manager in season. I think when the players returned to Italy uh, on the Thursday morning and went straight to the training ground where they weren't allowed to leave until after uh, the derby, it really reinforced to the players that you've got to sort this out because the manager's not changing. And, you know, I think um, they've made a baby step towards sorting it out uh, at the weekend. All right. Federico Chiesa could be available
1: for UV's next match. As it stands, they remain eighth in the table, but they are now six points off the top four, so creeping a little bit closer to a Champions League place. Ten rounds in, it's Napoli who lead. They're two points clear of Atalanta. Lazio and Udinese's goalless draw on Sunday means that Milan have moved back up to third with their 2-1 victory at Verona. Roma, with uh, Monday night's 1-0 victory over Sampdoria, which you mentioned before, are now fourth. Napoli, with 3-2 winners against Bologna, how many goals is that? 42 42 for the season so far. They're averaging three goals a game. They've got 15 different scorers, James.
0: Yeah, not uncommon for a Spalletti team um, because, you know, Spalletti's sides are all about the collective um, multiple threats. And, you know, I think that's been one of the encouraging signs uh, with Napoli this season is the depth that they've got. I think they've got depth in more areas than in others. So, for example, up front, you know, they've been able to cope without Ossiman. Ossiman keeps coming off the bench and scoring as he did against Ajax, he did again um, this weekend. But I think, you know, what's interesting about both of the surprise-ish title contenders, um, because, yeah, let's face it, Napoli have challenged for the type, title regularly over the last decade. Uh, Atlanta have given the uh, impression that they might challenge for the title. Um, is that, you know, both of them came from behind uh, the weekend uh, and really showed their, their character as a test of their mettle. Um, Atalanta came back from behind against Sassuolo on their 115th birthday um, and are uh, undefeated still. Uh, I think it's their, their best ever start, better than in 2019, mm-hmm. um, than when they had Papu Ilicic uh, and Zapata up front. And I think they've, it's the first time they've won seven of their first 10 games since 1963 or wow. something like that as well. So I think, you know, we, we've spoken about how COVID years are years where there's potential for disruption and uh, a change at the top. I think the World Cup year is, is very similar uh, in that regard. And we could, we could see a fourth different champion in four years. Wow. I mean, if it was Atalanta, that would be
1: huge. The, the big thing in Italy is how you never get the so-called provincial sides winning the title. Not since what? Samp in Samp. 91. So yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while. 2-1 victory over Sassuolo for them this weekend. And the kind of early star of their campaign is Adam ola Yeah,
0: Lukman with, with four goals. Um, he only scored six in, in all of last season. Um, and, you know, Gasparini excited uh, by the kind of directness that they have uh, with Lukman. Um yeah, Gasparini afterwards was saying, look, we're, we're, we're getting back to being the best Atalanta. Um, last year was kind of a, a blip. Uh, we had a lot of injuries. Um, we were kind of still figuring things out. Ilyich, for example, came back from compassionate leave and uh, is not the same player and has subsequently left. Um, you know, Malinovsky, for example, has, yeah, obviously yeah, Malinovsky has been impacted uh, deeply by the Russian invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. Um, and, you know, they have this kind of newish forward line, um, which is, is quite exciting. But at the same time, what's interesting about Atalanta is they don't press like they used to. They aren't as aggressive as they were. Um, they sit back and play deeper um, than they did at uh, any time in the last five years. Uh, they sometimes start playing with a back four, which again is is, is different. And defensively, they're very sound, um, which is you know it was, it was always their shortcoming um, to people in, in in their other great years in twenty nineteen. It was there was always a feeling that they would you know it was harem, scare and we'll score four, um, you score three, or something like that. And instead, they're 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 extremely solid, and they've got a really good. Crop of young players from their academy again. Gasparini never afraid to give players their debut if they're ready. So Scalvini, uh, Occoli, who was part of Criminese's promotion-winning team last year, and yeah, you know, this is Gasparini's league, and everybody else is living in it. I mean, we've seen that <laughs> uh, we've seen that the new coaches coming into the division, they've all played under under Gasparini: Palladino, Bocchetti, who replaced Choffi at Verona, uh, Tiago Motta. Yeah, you know, these are all guys who. Who played in Italy for for long stages of their career, formative years under under gasp? Are well, two points off the top of the table? Some key matches coming up before we break for the World Cup. They'll be yeah, taking J- Jules on Jules James. Sorry, quickly. J- J- mm. You mentioned Federico Chiesa. Mm. Uh, Pogba is is back in training with the, the with the first team this week, which is. Uh, encouraging, I suppose. If 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 you're a, a, a Frenchman, a French uh, a French woman, a, fr- a France national team fan, but again, early days, quite tentative. Yeah, um, yeah. To, yeah. yeah.
3: Especially Canté, you know, as well. Uh, uh,
0: Alvaro, if, if there's any team that can cope with with midfield depth it, or any depth, it's
1: France. Yeah.
2: We so really we the should. Young we guy I, I, I heard no about true, that. Yeah. True, <laughs> Somebody told me. True, um, something.
1: Mm. Hey, but back to Serie A, everybody. Where Atalanta two points behind Napoli. Now they'll be taking on the Neapolitans in two, three weeks' time, two and a half weeks' time, with some big games coming up for the Bergamaschi and the question of yeah, how far can they go. We'll, we'll get a bit of an indication before the World Cup with that game against Napoli, and then they've got Inter as their final game before we break for the uh, for the business in Qatar. They don't have cups, of course. Could be an advantage. No, uh, and uh, they don't I mean, you cups. could say the same for Juventus probably, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, look, they, they, I mean, Juventus' real risk is they'll, um, is they still finish third in that group and they go into the Europa League. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that—that that, that, wouldn't be great, but look, I mean, for, from Napoli and, and Atalanta's point of view, uh, you know, Atalanta completely out of any, uh, European competition, they didn't qualify for one last year, um, they have very few players going to the world cup the same can be said for napoli this is another reason to be encouraged by them and if we look ahead to the weekend um, mm. we'll have the Debbie del sole on 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 golazzo napoli between against roma and uh, that's a roma team that will be without dibala is still kind of depending on on penalties and set pieces to win games so a big opportunity for napoli to get another big win under their belts and also atalanta play lazio and uh, Lazio will be without Turi Mobile. so again mm. y- you see that in Napoli and Atalanta's case that, yeah things kind of falling their way uh, a little in-, in going into big games where their opponents will be well out arguably their best players so um, still early days but reasons to be encouraged oh, yeah. Wow if you're,
1: if you're keen to get a look at Napoli again because they are the most thrilling team to watch right now in, in, in Europe they'll be hosting Rangers next week in the Champions League before that Sunday night Tune in to see how Roma, who have the best record at home in terms of conceding goals in Serie, only two so far this season. How how that record bears up to uh, the onslaught of Cavara uh, and company should be uh, should be a fascinating that one. That one and and Atalanta Lazio equally beforehand. Very good. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about James? <sighs>
0: Well, James, because this is what um, they do in Italy, they decide to have their awards ceremony uh, on on the same night as the Ballon d'Or because they thought everyone would turn off uh, what was happening on in, in, in Paris and and watch the Gran Gala di Calcio, nice. uh, or the football Oscars as the Italian football, uh, the Italian Players Association uh, likes to call its 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 event. So. Um, yeah, Rafael Liao, uh unsurprisingly, was, was named Player of the Year, having already collected the City A MVP award uh, from the league itself at the end of the season. Um, and then, if you actually look at the Team of the Year, Tomori is in there. Um, so, that was Mike Maignan, uh, Jules' friend, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Bremer, Tomori, Teo Hernandez, uh, midfielder Barella, Brozovic, Milinkovic, Savic, who... Uh, Thierry mobile has been saying he's on the same level as Kevin De Bruyne we're going to see a bit of Milinkovic at the World Cup hopefully he's better than he was when he played in, in, in 2018 and then and then Vlajevic Mobley and Leao up mm. front so um, and purely the manager of the year yeah yeah no one would begrudge purely that uh, that nice. award but um, but yeah so so that's that's pretty much that um, James um, alright you
1: know there you go. Listen, yeah. that's that. Let me just remind you that the FSA award nominations are out. Whoever you choose to give your vote to, you know, make the trip to their website and, and post that vote. Because whoever it is, I, I know they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate a little bit of recognition. Sometimes it's tough. There's not always, you know, a lot of positivity out there. So just a little, little something back, whoever that podcast or writer or figure might be. Excellent Alvaro Many (laughs) thanks for today Jules You and all James Lovely stuff And Rafa earlier on Look forward to him Rejoining us uh, Next week And producer Charlie and, and, And you listener Thanks For your loyalty We'll speak to you Next Tuesday We're back on Thursday With a You know Regular show But next Tuesday For the Euro edition Hope you have a great time In the meanwhile From all of us here It's Goodbye
5: You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally.
4: The Athletic.